Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. Have you ever felt spiritually drained or disconnected? Well, this Charged Up series will help you stay plugged into God through a lifestyle of daily devotion. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Today, um, we're going to dive deeper into what worship is. Last week, we talked about worship being more than a song. We talked about worship being love first. You, you can't worship anything you don't love, okay? So a lot of people come to church, but they don't love God, so they don't really worship him. They, they'll sit in an amazing worship experience like we just had and, and pick out things that were wrong or, or, or look at their neighbor or do things when that moment is really the only time that is all for God, okay? And so we have to love God. And then we learn that, that worship is love expressed. Everybody say expressed. I want you to make an expression with your face at me right now. Express with your face. Come on, somebody. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> somebody over there. Um, what I'm saying is that there's a lot you can say without saying anything. So when we come into a worship experience, and I might not even say anything out of my mouth, but I say. I just said something to God and I said something to others by how I used my words, how I used my gestures, as well as how I live my life, conduct. So worship is always love. Everybody say expressed. And then worship is the proper response to the sacrifice that God made for all of us. I gave the example last week of a man proposing to a woman with the six carat diamond ring. (laughs) She's trying to send signs to her husband. He said, you can get these carrots that are orange and green. But no, I'm just playing. Six carats. Anyway, y'all, okay. Um, but I said, if we all were witnessing a man coming up here proposing to his fiance, and he got down with that six carat diamond ring and said, I want to express my love to you. I sacrificed. I didn't eat nothing but bologna and Roman noodles for the past six years so that I could buy you this ring. And he proposes to her. And then that woman's response was, oh, thanks. There would be women that would punch her in the face and say, I'll be the one. You understand what I'm saying? Like y'all would tackle her and be like, if she don't want it, you can put a ring on this. Okay. But nobody would say anything was wrong with the groom. Everybody would say, what's wrong with the bride? The same way when Christ sacrificed his only son on the cross as the engagement ring to the bride, all of us to show the entire world how much we were worth. And we sit here with this priceless blood diamond. And then we can come and stand in his presence and say, oh, thanks, God. Heaven is not saying what's wrong with the groom. They're saying what's wrong with the bride. So we made a decision last week that we're going to worship God. We're going to express our love. Did y'all feel the freedom in that worship experience that we just had? Because some of you for the first time were worshiping with not just knowledge, but understanding. And when you get understanding, then you can apply the wisdom. And today I'm planning to take that another step forward. And today I want to title the message, The Replacement. The Replacement. And um, I got a lot to say, so I need y'all to stay with me. I'm going to teach today. I'm going to preach a little bit. But more than anything, I want to paint a picture so you can see why it is so important that you worship God. Not your neighbor, not your family, not your friends, not the whole church, but it's important for you. 
to worship God. The thing you got to understand about worship is that worship attracts God and worship attacks our pride. Worship attracts God. When we express our love to him, it attracts God to our situation, but it attacks our pride. That's why we have to say, like David, God created me a clean heart and a right spirit, a humble spirit, because everything in me does not want to sacrifice and give you the glory, honor, and praise. I feel like I'm doing good at this job. Why am I praising you for this job? I feel like I did this for my wife. I feel like this is my money. See, when we humble ourselves... And realize that everything that we got comes from God. Everything that we've been able to obtain, everything that we've experienced, everything he's brought us through was because of his faithfulness and his goodness. That's why we say, God, humble me. And that's why when you get humbled, the word tells us there's one thing that God cannot refuse. It's a humble spirit and a contrite heart. A spirit that says, yeah, I got all of this, but God, I submit it to you. God, I've done all of this and I I thought I did it on my own, but I am nothing without you. And so that's why worship is so amazing. And God's been sharing me this revelation that I'm going to share with you very quickly about God's omnipresence, his inner presence and his manifest presence. And I know you're like, ooh, a lot of presence. Um, What does all of that mean? I'm gonna break it down very clearly for those of you who have maybe never heard those words or those of you that have said those and not really understood the meaning. The omnipresence of God is talking about God being everywhere. Okay, so you can see God. I don't know if you've ever seen a sunset over a beach, but if you ever see that, you know God is real. It's just so beautiful, just endless water. And it's like the sun just, I mean, it's, I mean, oh, y'all about see. I mean, literally, it's just beautiful. I lose words. Or when you see an expanse and all there is is snowflakes everywhere without a footstep in them. You can see God is everywhere. When you think about a baby being born, I don't I do not know how people think that there is not a God in a big bang came through to happen to make what? And you can feed off that for 10 years. Everything, the seed and the sustaining is built into a woman's body. So God, if you just look, God's presence is everywhere. That's his omnipresence. And then there's his inner presence. That's the presence that comes into us when we accept Christ. It says the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. Okay? But then there's his, what we call manifest presence. And that sounds very um, um, spiritual and theological, but let me break it down. It's God's made known presence. So there's God's presence everywhere, but then there's a presence that can be so close and so real that his presence is made known in my life. Okay? Let me give an example that you may be able to understand. If I told everybody right now, there is a billionaire in this room right now. He's in this room right now and he may be sitting next to you. Some of y'all just start looking around. (laughs) Okay. That would show you that that person's presence, his omnipresence was here. The presence is in the facility and it's everywhere in here. Okay. But if that billionaire started to make his presence known or manifest his presence and do what only a billionaire could do was stand everybody up and give every single person a million dollars, his presence would be made known. 
His presence would have affected your life. What worship does is it attracts God so that his presence can be made known. That's why we worship because God will then be attracted to our lives, to our situations, to what we're doing. And he will say, let me do something for you that only I can do. Heal your heart. Rid you of that, that, that sin that has been crippling you. Let you really walk in forgiveness. And that's what worship does for us. That's why I don't go a day without expressing my love to God because it allows his manifest, his made known. Oh, God was here. My reaction would have been this, but because God was here, my reaction was different. I would have been worried in this situation, but because I worshiped, God's presence was made known in this situation. And you'll be able to look. That wasn't me. (laughs) That wasn't because I'm so good. It's because God is with me in this situation and I invited him in. So we don't just want God's omnipresence. That's how we can stand in a worship experience and be like, I didn't feel something because you didn't invite him so he could make it known. So when we worship, I want you to realize that God's greatest desire for every person under the sound of my voice is to daily express your love in your volume, in your tone, in your, not me, I'm loud, I'm expressive, real expressive. If everybody else is at a four, I'm always at a 15. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's me. And so many times we can take the personalities that are on platforms and then act like that is what is supposed to be your expression. I don't care what your expression is. You can have the Minnie Mouse expression. Oh God, I love you. I don't care. But it has to be, everybody say expressed. So if God's desire for us is to always express our love, I want everybody to know that we have an enemy that desires for us not to express our love. And so many people, I don't want you to talk about the devil. I don't want to give the devil no glory. Listen, hear, hear what I'm saying. If you're in a fight, you have to know who you're about to fight. You, you have to know your opponent because you'll see tendencies that you can use to help defeat them. So today I want to expose the enemy so that you can know in your life what you were created for and why the enemy is attacking you so hard in your mind, your heart, and in your faith. Because the enemy does not want to see you do what you were created for. Point blank period. He does not want you to fulfill God's greatest desire, which is for you to worship him, not just through a song. But through your life, the way that you treat your wife, the way that you pay tithes or give tithes or return tithes, how we say it here, the way that you respect people that don't deserve that type of respect. God says that's worship to me. And the enemy doesn't want you to do that. And so I'm going to expose the enemy with three questions today. And they're very simple questions. First one we're going to answer is what is Satan's desire? What was Satan's desire? What is Satan's desire and what will be Satan's desire? What was, what is, and what will be Satan's desire? So let's get into it. Point one, what was Satan's desire? And I'm talking about before the fall. Y'all know his name wasn't originally Satan. It was Lucifer. Y'all know that Satan wasn't always bad. Some of y'all just go, oh, no. He actually was an angel, okay? 
And I want to talk about this for a second because his name was Lucifer. And in the scripture, it begins to tell us that something happened in Lucifer's heart that got him cast out of his position of leadership and authority in heaven. And I want to look at that in Isaiah 14, going to Isaiah 14, verse 12. And right here, we're going to find what I call the five I will statements. And this is what the enemy said. This is what Satan said or what Lucifer said before he became Satan. This is why he became Satan because of these five I will statements. And I want you to notice one simple thing is that all of these statements have to do with being lifted up and being lifted high. Look at the descriptive language in this. Verse 12, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nation, for you have said in your heart, look where he said it, in his heart, I will ascend to the heavens. Ascend is up, heavens is up. I will exalt my throne above the stars of the sky of the stars of God. Exalt is up and stars are up. He said, I will sit on the mount, the highest point of the congregation on the furthest side of the north. North is always up. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, heights and clouds. I will be like and look what he uses to describe God. I will be like the most high. And then God opposes everything that he said about going up. God says, no, 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 no. Verse 15, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So where the enemy wanted to go up, God said the desire for you to go up prepared your place down. Your, your, your desire and your longing to be in a high place prepared you for a low place. When somebody says, you know, will you come with me? And you say, yes, I will. What you're saying is, yes, I desire to come. Let me say this, say it like this. God's will is God's desire. So that means Satan's will is his desire. The thing that we learned that the enemy had five desires. He said, I want to be lifted up. I want to be high. I want to be exalted. I want to be worshiped. And I want to be like God. And the sad thing is, that's the nature we're all born with. Many theologians, people who study the Bible, say that we're born with the Adamic nature, a, a, a nature like Adam. But if we want to be real blunt about it, Adam and Eve weren't the original sinners. That's right. That's right. Satan's was the original sinner. So if we want to trace our sin line back, we were really born with the satanic nature. I want everybody to just look at the gravity of that for a second. That the part of us that says, I want to be lifted up. I want to be noticed. I want to be exalted. I want to be. Y'all can look at media today. Everybody the God. Everybody the best. Everybody's this. I'm doing it for power. It's this whole thing in us. You don't have to teach your kid to be bad. There's something on the inside of us when we are born into this world that comes to defend ourselves, that comes to make ourselves go to a higher place. I remember with me and my brothers, mom and dad would come home from Walmart or Sam's with all the groceries. And I know me and my brothers on the day that the groceries went in, all of us would steal and stash. <laughs> steal and stash. See, all y'all little people that only had one and two of y'all in the house, it was five of us. 
So if they brought home cookies, I saw all my brothers getting little Ziploc bags and just whoop. <laughs> taking them. Why? Because I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about me innately. Okay, some of y'all are like, no, that's not me. I'll prove it to you. In a photo, who's the first person you look for? <laughs> look at y'all, look at y'all. 50 people in the picture. You, there I am. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> and if you look bad, the whole picture's wrong. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 don't use that one, uh-uh. The light, the light, stop. What, what I'm saying to you is that nature is born into us, and until we come to a revelation of who God is and what Christ has done for us, we walk in that nature, and the real sad part is even after some of us come to Christ, we still have residue of that thing on our life. Well, I want to be exalted. I want to be lifted high. I want to be worshiped. I want to be like God. But I want you to realize that one of the beautiful characteristics about our our Lord is that anytime he got credit, he always wanted to defer it to somebody else. He always would say stuff like this. God, you did, Jesus, you did so many miracles. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. That's right. uh, anytime glory came to him, he deferred it to somebody else. He, even when the Holy Spirit, he was like, y'all, y'all actually want me to leave. When he was talking to his disciples, he was like, y'all want me to leave because when I leave, then the Holy Spirit comes. They were like, no, you're the man. He was like, no, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit is the man. If you were able to listen to a conversation of the Trinity, it probably goes something like this. No, you're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. No, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. Why? Because the more we become like Christ, the less we want the attention on us and the more we want it on God and others. And I'm, t I'm telling you this because this was the original sin, pride, that came to cast the enemy out of the presence of God, okay? So when we say it like this, what was Satan's greatest desire? Let me put it plainly in a sentence. His greatest desire was to be worshiped. That's why he got kicked out of heaven, because he wanted to be worshiped worshiped. Isaiah 14 verse 11. I want to bring attention to this because I'm about to make a point here in just a minute. I got to gather all my context clues for y'all. Isaiah 14 11 says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. I want you to remember that Isaiah 14 verse 11 says, you have, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. We're talking about Lucifer right here. He has stringed instruments in him, okay? And I want to give you context to this. Isaiah 14 is a prophecy, okay? It's a prophecy to the king of Babylon. And when you say prophecy, what is that? that back in the Bible's days, this was common that God would speak to a man or speak to a woman and they would speak on behalf of God to a person or to a nation. The reason I'm telling you this is because in this Isaiah 14 scripture, as well as the next scripture I'm going to read in Ezekiel 28, and I'm just trying to teach you a little bit. These are both prophecies where God speaks to a man, but he's not really speaking to the man. He's speaking to the spirit behind the man. Okay. Many times God speaks to somebody, but he's really addressing what's behind that person. Okay. And some of you are like, I don't really get that. Well, there's a, pr a pretty famous um, um, example of this in the Bible where Jesus does it to one of his own disciples, Peter. He was talking crazy. He's talking that yin yang. And, and Jesus just stopped and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, 
He was talking to a man, but he was addressing the spirit. Okay. So I want everybody to understand that this is a common thing. So this Ezekiel 28 is talking to Lucifer, but he's talking to the king of Tyre. Okay. So I want you to see there's a king in front of him. He's prophesying to the king, but he's not really talking to the king. He's talking to the spirit behind the king. Okay. Just want everybody to understand that. And we'll go to Ezekiel 28 verse 11. It said, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord. This is him speaking on behalf of God. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Stop right there. That proves that he's not really talking to the man. There was only four people in the um, garden of Eden. It was God, Adam, Eve, and Satan. Okay. So this is talking to him, okay? Every precious stone was your covering. The sarges, topaz, diamonds, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, and gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. I want you to remember those two words. Timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were born. So timbrels and pipes were in you when you were born. You are anointed cherub right there. It proves again, what is a cherub? A cherub is an angel, okay? So Lucifer was a fallen angel, okay? It said you are the anointed cherub who covers. That word right there in the Hebrew covers means you had authority. The reason we know he's talking about Lucifer is because when Lucifer fell, he fell with one third of the angels. He was over, he had authority over angels. So I'm just wanting to prove to you you that we're talking to Lucifer right here. Okay. It said, um, verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity or sin was found in you. But the abundance of your trading, and that word right there in the Hebrew means merchandising, and I'll talk about that in a minute. You became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, or a ruling angel from the midst of the fiery stone. What I want everybody to see right here is Satan was perfect as Lucifer in one sense. Pride came in as he was worshiping and then he got cast out of heaven. I want everybody to understand one simple truth right here. If you come into the presence of God with pride, you will not experience anything in worship. I'm going to say it again. When you come in, I don't need God. I can do this by myself. I don't even want to ask for prayer. I don't even want I don't even want anybody to know what I'm going through. What that says to God is it's pride and there's nothing I can do for you because it's the thing that I, it was the first thing I corrected in history, the sin of pride. And when we don't come humbly before God, we can never get anything from God. That's not my main point, but I want you to hear me say this very clearly, that pride will keep you out of the presence of God. So verse 13 of this says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. I want to talk about that for a second, okay? Timbrels means percussion instrument, okay? This word used today is similar, similar to another word. What word do you think it's similar to? Tambourine, okay? Timbrel, tambourine, okay? We had a guy up here playing tambourine earlier. Then it says pipes. 
Pipes many times was translated as flutes in the Hebrew. And what that means is these are instruments that you blow through to make a sound, okay? If we combined Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, I did all of that to show you this, okay? That Satan was created by God with stringed instruments in him, with wind instruments in him, and with percussion instruments in him. Why was he created with all of that in him? It never says that about any of the other angels. It, it was because Lucifer was the lead worship leader for all of heaven. I want everybody to get this in your mind. That before he became Satan, he was the chief worship leader for all of creation. Get that picture. He would stand there and he wouldn't need to call nobody because the drums, the piano, the guitar, everything, da, 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 everything was just right there in it. God needed theme music. He just turned He just turned it on. He was the head, your favorite singer. He could kill him right now with the He had vocals for days. Okay. He was the lead worship leader of all heaven. I want you to get that picture in your mind. And this is why we know that there's three areas that are consistent with us talking about staying charged up and having a devotion life. The three areas that are consistent in that is the word of God, prayer, and worship. Well, the Bible is very clear about archangels. There's three of them. And many people think there's two of them. But there was actually three of them. And an arch mean, archangel means a ruling angel, an angel that had authority. There's Gabriel, who every time you see Gabriel, is he's declaring the word of God. He's the one that brought the word to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He's the one that brought the word to Zacchaeus, the, the father of John the Baptist. He's always declaring the word. Then there's Michael. And Michael is in charge of prayer, okay? He's a fighter in charge of prayer. There's a famous example in Daniel 10 where Daniel had prayed for something and it was being held up and God released the answer on the first day, but it was being held up by the prince of Persia, Persia and Michael had to go and fight so that the answer could get through, okay? Come, come, come see me. Come on. And then there, there was... Lucifer, that ruled past tense over worship. Okay, I, I, I hope I'm painting this picture for you. Okay, there's Gabriel ruling over the word, Michael ruling over prayer, and there was Lucifer who ruled over worship. That's why theologians believe one third of the angels fail because it was the third that Lucifer ruled over. Does everybody understand that? Okay. So what we see is that it's interesting that all of these components are the components that are in every one of our worship experiences. When we come together every Sunday, you're going to get the word, you're going to get prayer, and you're going to get worship. It's the same thing when you're in your own quiet time or your devotion time and you're staying charged up. What have we been talking about this whole time? The word, prayer, and worship, okay? I want everybody to see this very clearly because this 
is the key to us staying charged up. Okay. A staying and keeping a consistent word life where we're reading the word daily, whether it's on the app. That's why we said some of y'all finished that reading plan and you ain't been back to the Bible app since. Some of us, our Bible is holding up our coffee table or looks good in a, um, a, a interior design um, uh, for our bookshelf. Pick that Bible up and read it because it's the first key to you being and getting everything that you're supposed to get. Well, I don't got time, Pastor Mike. Well, you don't know my schedule. All I'm saying to you, it's alive and it will begin to bring revelation to things that you are asking about and you're wasting time on right now. It will begin to not just you read it, but it'll read you. And then you start to exchange with God through prayer, transfer the burden. Prayer is the language of the dependent. It's the language of people who say, I'm not just, I can't do it without you. I won't do it without you. Yes. And God says, well, I love when my kids need me. I love when Bella needs me. My mother-in-law, one of the things she always does is she was over at the house and one of my kids was, uh, Bella was actually um, hurting or something happened. And she just cried out with all of her might. She said, daddy. And boy, you would have thought, I mean, it was not even a second thought. Everything in me jumped up because I heard that my child needed me. When I got in there, she was fine. <laughs> but it was the fact that I could hear that she needed me. She made her request known and I came. What prayer does is it communicates to God that I need you. In this marriage, daddy. At this job, daddy. With these kids you gave me, daddy. <laughs> hear what I'm saying to you. What prayer does is tell God, not I just can't do it with you, I won't do it without you. And then worship. You know, I, I think about it, it became real as I was studying all of this, because I have an older brother named Gabriel, like literally Gabriel, Michael, and then we have another brother named Raphael. And so Gabriel, you know, names are powerful because Gabriel was always declaring the word of my parents. <laughs> always, mom said this, dad said, oh, really, really? If you know Gabe, <laughs> yeah. really? And my name is Michael, and I, I was always looking for the answer, and I would even fight for it. And my other little brother, Raphael, almost was named, my dad admitted this, y'all, he almost named him Lucifer. <laughs> I mean, he was serious about it, too. He dodged that bullet. What I'm saying to you is, I, I told you that because I don't ever want you to forget that there is still a leader over the word of God, Gabriel. There is still a leader to this day over prayer, Michael, but there's a vacancy. He was the worship leader. So I just want that to sit with you for one second. Ezekiel 28, verse 16. It says, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. That word trading right there in the Hebrew means merchandising. And in Hebrew, if you ever know anything about them, they're a pictorial, um, um, they give pictorial definitions, okay? So what ends up happening is, I wanna paint this picture of what this word merchandising means, okay? So 
It would be like if Pastor Tommy owned a suit store and I worked for him and you came in and you were like, I need to get a suit for this gala I'm going to. I want to look clean. And we find you a suit. We get it tailored to you. You say, this is the one. And, and then you say, how much is it? And I say $300. And you say, oh, that's it? And you give me the $300. And then I, as the employee, I put 200 in the cash register, but I could put 100 in my pocket. That's what the definition of this word merchandising means. That the enemy put his hands on something that was only supposed to pass through his hands. And he decided to take some of it for himself. And at the moment he took some for himself, like any good owner would, if he found out that an employee was stealing from him, he fired him. What, what I want you to see is picture this one day worship is going forth. Let's imagine God is behind me. I'm Lucifer. You're all of creation and you're worshiping God and I'm leading the worship and I'm doing it. I'm like, yes, that sounds good. More sopranos. And I'm doing that and we're making it happen and it's coming to me. And I decide instead of standing on the side and allowing the worship to come to God that I stepped in the way of it. See, this is what pride will do. It'll make you step out of position. Pride will make you think that you, you deserve something that was never called for you to have. <laughs> and Satan was merchandising and said, he won't mind if I take a, I mean, it wouldn't have the sound that it has if it wasn't for me anyway. I'm, I'm the one that's a leading all of heaven in this course anyway. If I stepped out, <laughs> if I wasn't here, what would they be? These are questions you can ask yourself if you may think you're dealing with pride. If I wasn't here, what would happen? Come on. Many of us, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't even. Ooh, ooh, ooh. They're nothing without me. Those are all statements of pride. Those are all statements that were first originated when the enemy was sitting in heaven leading worship. I'd like to see him try to do this worship experience without me. And he started merchandising and trying to take some of the glory. But it ended him up, kicked out of his place and what he was created for because he was not worthy of the worship and the praise. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Satan's greatest desire was to be worshiped, period. So what is Satan's greatest desire right now? Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 8. And this happened to Jesus. Again, the devil took him, that's talking about Jesus, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. He tried to get Jesus. Boy, is just stupid. <laughs> He tried to get Jesus. Do you know how much delusion you had to be in? But that's what sin will do to you. It'll make you think that things are right when Jesus is clearly wrong. And he said, I want you to understand this is that it wasn't enough for Jesus to just say something. He wanted him to fall down. He wanted him to express it. Because worship is love. Express. It cannot be worship if you don't express it. 
And a lot of people stand in worship experiences and they say, God knows my heart. No, he doesn't. He does. But you have to show it. Because it's not enough for it to be on the inside. It has to come out of you. You know, one of the crazy things that I've seen is yesterday, for the first time since 1908, the Chicago Cubs are going to the World Series, okay? (laughs) And um, I was watching the highlights yesterday, and there was over 50,000, 60,000 people that started to express their love for a game. And I'm talking about not just regular expressions. These people have been waiting 71 years. I want you to see this. This is a generational worship. Because many of the people who were excited and celebrating yesterday weren't even alive when the first game happened. Okay? They begin to express their love. And somebody asks, well, is it wrong for us to express? No, 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 no. God made us to enjoy these things. But if he's left out of the creation, it's an insult to the creator. If a creator, I'll give this example. My iPhone can be used as a ruler. I can make a straight line with my iPhone, but that's an insult to the creator because that was not what it was created for. That's the same thing when we worship things that are not God. He says, I cannot watch this thing that I've put so much effort, energy, and time into worship something other than me and not give me what is create what I created them for. And as I begin to look at these, these clips and these uh, um, pictures, can you put one of those pictures up for me if you have it back there? I begin to look at people worship and them express their worship, and it began to look like a worship experience. Um, people were lifting their hands, and people were yelling and screaming. There was all ages, all races, all people. It, it literally looked like they were saying, hallelujah. It looked like they were saying, God, you're worthy. It look like I mean they were literally expressing men women all ages all races and I just begin to think if people can express their love for a game why don't they express their love for the king of kings and the lord of lords that saved us from an eternal hell to an eternal heaven and put us in a place that we don't even deserve It's time for us to express our love. Man, let me talk to you just for a second. It's time for that crap that I'm just not expressive. You got to let that die today. The greatest thing you could do for your family and your children is to let them see you express your love for God. A lot of people think that worship is a woman thing. But it's a creation thing. But it's because men have all of these things. But I see you express it for that grill. I see you express it for that hot rod and that truck and that football game. And God's saying, I need the men of God to rise up. I created Adam first to be able to stand and worship me in front of all creation. Let me give you a secret. They're not looking for how deep your pockets are first. They're looking if you worship God. Because if you can worship him. And see, they may be saying all this artificial stuff like, nah, he got to buy me this and buy me that and buy me that. But a woman that is a Proverbs 31 woman 
woman is looking for a man that is going to be at the face of God, that she don't have to correct you and be your second mama, that God will correct you because you're in the face of the king. My wife don't have to correct me. She tells God on me. Why? Because she knows that I get before him. And he can change me faster than any person on this earth. I declare over Transformation Church that we will be a church of men leading the way. That we will worship, that we will express our love to God, that we won't just stand there with this worldly thought that we're supposed to be strong. The strongest place for a man is with on his knees saying, God, I need you. God, I won't do it without you. God, I'm here again asking you to search my heart. You out here trying to fight battles that were never yours. Because God called you to be a man in his face. Lifted hands. Excited. As excited you are when your son scores the game-winning touchdown. It's as excited as you should be in the worship experience. When you realize who you were and how God redeemed you. And he set you free in those addictions you used to have. We don't want to see who you used to be. And we don't even know that because of what God did in your life. But then after we think of all that, you'll get a dude say, yeah, God been good. He's been real, real good. I mean, so good. <laughs> Better to me than I've been to myself. Stop just reciting a song. Because when a generation of men can rise up. And be able to declare the mighty acts of God to another generation. We change the tide of all these people out here trying to be big and thugs and powerful and all this other stuff. We say, you are the most high. You are the most high God. We have to be able to transfer what God has done to us into an expression. And I just want you to check yourself. I'm not coming to be mean or frustrated, but is God the last thing that we worship? Or is he the first thing that we worship? So when you look at it and you say, what is God's greatest desire? I mean, what is Satan's greatest desire? It's to stop everyone on earth from worshiping God. That, that's what he wants to do. He wants to stop you from worshiping. You thought that trial was about you? You're not even that significant in the scheme of things. He just wants to stop your mouth, your hands, and your life from giving God worship. So that's why he brought you that crazy boyfriend and you accepted it because it went to church. It went because <laughs> it went to church. You get in the same predicament being used for your body, doing this, doing that, doing all of this. And for nine months, the enemy said it worked. Bam, got her. God, hmm. I stole her worship for nine months. And he's okay with sending the same thing in different clothing. Uh oh, they got back one month of worship. Oh, I got to send an attack. Why is it when, when you really start trying to go after God? Come on, come on with it, come on with it. Everything that was not even available. 
it's just all just shows up. It's because the enemy saw that you were getting serious about being charged up. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Because if they start worshiping, if they start doing what they were created to do, no, no, we got to send, uh, send the reinforcements, send the troops, come off of Shanisha. She, she already going to be jacked up for the next six months. Come on, go over there. Let's get them caught up in money. Let's get them caught up on things that, that get them distracted because the enemy comes to John 10, 10, steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your worship, kill your worship, destroy your worship because it was what you were created to do. I don't know the will of God for my life. Worship God. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy it. And if he can't do that, he'll distract you from it. Do you know the enemy is the Lord? The Bible tells us he's the prince of the air, the airwaves, TV, radio, social media. What do you spend most of your time distracted by? We spend more time distracted, but it's not. And, and this is how he does it. The enemy is subtle. He knows the word. He says that he comes in very soft and gentle. What he's trying to do is it's not bad. It's just not God. And what I'm saying is I'm not giving you criteria for your life, but you know when something becomes an obsession. You know when this is the thing that's feeding comparison and insecurities. You know when these are the things, and it just keeps you distracted. You're more concerned with Kim Kardashian's life than your own. You're more concerned with these political debates than going to the prayer. Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. You ain't prayed one time for this election. You just said um, um, things in vain like, uh, Lord, help us. You didn't even mean that. The enemy wants to keep you distracted because if you're distracted, you won't worship God. And so I'm trying to let you know his plan so that you can begin to express your love to God. Satan's greatest plan is to distract everyone from worshiping God. Point three, what will be Satan's desire? Let me give it to you to be worshiped. If you haven't got it yet, whenever we are in the last days, which is kind of looking like that right now, the Bible tells us very clearly in Revelations that people are literally going to begin how we meet in buildings like this to worship God. People are literally going to start worshiping Satan. Now, you may be like, mm, this is not. No, it's already happening. The first thing is it's already happening. And the second thing, it's going to become common. You're, as much churches, there's a church on every corner. There's going to be a Satan uh, um, worshiping congregation all over, and it's going to be normal. And some of you religious people are like, uh-uh, not by the blood of Jesus. It's in the Bible. <laughs> okay? He already knows. Well, Satan's not real. Okay, we'll see. What I'm telling you is the word of God is true in its life. Revelations 13, 4 says, so they worship the dragon. And if you don't know who the dragon is, you can see Revelations 12, 19. But it says, Revelations 3, 4 is where I'm at. It said, so they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? This is interesting because all the enemy is is a counterfeit. 
Because that very statement is in Exodus 15. When God was delivering the children of Israel from slavery into the promised land, Miriam was leading two million people. You can look at it in Exodus 15 in a song called the Song of Moses. And they said, who is like the Lord and who is able to make war with him? So all the enemy is going to do is try to take what was already God's. He is trying to stand in the way of what we are supposed to give God. And he wants to take it. He can't even come up with no new phrase. He just sampled what God has already said. I want you to see this. They said, we're going to sing that song again when we get to heaven. So some of y'all need to brush up on that. Go to Exodus 15, the song of Moses, so you don't have to read the screens in heaven. Some of y'all be just struggling with the, the father. What? We're going to send you a text of the song list before this week, okay? So they're singing this song, Revelation 17, verse 13 says, and these are the ones of the same mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him, that's all of us, are called chosen and faithful. That's what's going to happen one day. They're going to be down in earth and God's going to be on a stone in heaven. They're going to be like, who is like the beast? Nobody. Who is like the beast? Nobody, nobody. Like they're going, they're going to be singing that. And then God's going to be on his throne with Gabe sitting on the right hand. And he's going to say, Gabe, because they're close. What did they say? They say, who is like the beast and who will make war with him? That's what they've been saying. They've been saying it for six days. I've been trying to tell you. (laughs) And God on his throne is going to be like, Gabe, go get my sword. And John begins to describe it in Revelations 19 of what's going to happen when God gets sick of people praising the idols and the enemy. It says, then I saw heaven open, Revelations 19, 11, and a white horse was standing there and its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him with white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations and he will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the almighty like juice flowing from a wine press on his robe at his thigh was written the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You gotta know that I don't care what the enemy's plan is. We got the end of the book. We win. Somebody should rejoice right there. It's a fixed fight. You should worship God right there. Hallelujah. God, you're worthy. God, you're mighty. God, you're victorious. You're amazing in every way. The enemy has a desire, but his desire won't become true in our lives. We will be called faithful. 
See, some of y'all don't need music at this point. Some of you are realizing that God is worth your praise. He's worth your expression. He's worth you looking a little crazy to your neighbor. Lose your cool and allow God. Hallelujah. Some people still don't get it. Some of y'all still trying to check your pride right now. Let me help y'all. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. So, so you got to realize this very quickly. If Satan's desire was to be worshipped and he got kicked out of heaven for that, and then his desire right now is to be worshipped, that's why he's trying to distract you. And his desire will be to be worshipped, but we know that God is going to come and kick his butt. My question to you is, point four, are you fulfilling Satan's desire? Are you, when we come into these worship experiences and in your own private time with God, and when you're saying, I can't find enough time, and when you're saying all the, are you fulfilling, well, I got to, you know, I got to provide for my kids and I got to provide for this and I got to do all this. Are you playing the savior? And you're so busy that you are not fulfilling God's desire for you, which is to worship him. And you're fulfilling Satan's desire by not worshiping him or worshiping things other than him. The only reason I, I bring this to your attention is because we talked about it earlier. Lucifer was the lead worship leader and he was created with strings, percussions, and wind instruments in his body. It said you were created on the day you were created. I created you with all of that stuff in you. Well, you were created with instruments in your body. You have stringed instruments. They're called vocal cords. But there's cords in you right now that are like strings. That the way that they work is that wind comes through them. And they can make an infinite combination of sounds, pitches, and harmonies. So that's two out of three. You have stringed instruments and wind instruments built into you when you were created. And the last one is percussion instruments. God made every one of his children outfit factory out the box. with everything that he created Lucifer with. He put strings in him. He put wind in him. He put percussion instruments in him. But he kicked him out of heaven. Okay? I'm going to show this and make this real plain example. Come here. Uh, I need my guys to come out real quick. If y'all come out real quick. Okay. Come on out here, C's way. Come on out here, Fletch. Come on out here, James. Y'all give it up for my band right here. So, um, James is going to play this percussion instrument right here, which is a tambourine. It said that he had timbrel in him, okay? So, James, just give me something real quick, okay? Okay? Wind instrument, like saxophone. Give me something, C's way. You ready for me? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Three, go. 
Come on, Fletch. String instruments. I like that. Okay, okay, okay. Now, what they just did, God gave me the ability to do with my string, with my wind, with my percussion instrument. We declare your glory in this place, oh Lord. We declare your glory in this place. See, somebody help me. Declare. We don't need them. He built us with everything. the first thing that God put on the inside of each one of you. The ability to create worship out of what you already have. And the enemy's trick is to make you think you need a sound system and a guitar player and worship music. All you need is you, baby. All you need is to make a decision that God is worth your praise. And you need to use those stringed instruments. You need to, you need to use your percussion instruments. You need to use what God is already. Some of y'all still ain't got it. You sitting around here being cute? God, you're worthy! God, you're worthy! Something's happening in here. Something's happening in here. For the first time, you're understanding. Why you were created. Hallelujah. Watch. See, this is the secret. This is the secret. Is that when Lucifer was cast out of heaven. There was a void in a leadership position. They had the word covered. They had prayer covered. But they had a vacant spot for a brand new worship leader. And I came to tell you today that you are the enemy's replacement. That when you worship, that when you praise, that when you say hallelujah, you so do it in his face give God all the glory give God God you're worthy God you're amazing see you thought worship was about how you sound and about how you look God's already chosen you to replace him you'll never worship the same again This is not a choice. This is why I was created. Okay. Let me help you. You can ban, rest of band, come out. We about to end. Let let me help you. Let me help you. In my holy imagination, this is what I see. I see one day. Focus on this. Because this is going to paint a picture in your mind. I see one day. 
after the, the Satan is cast out of heaven. He says, you know what? There's all this void in the earth. So God says, I'm going to bring some order to it. So he says, okay, I'm going I'm to make light and I'm going to make stars and I'm going to make water and I'm going to make sky, plants and animals. And man was not made yet. And on the sixth day, God is walking around like, man, this is nice. I like this. It's missing something, but I like this. And I can hear the enemy walking in the garden. And he's looking with pride and frustration. And he starts to yell at God. Hey, hey, who's going to worship you now? Who, who's going to give you glory now? Now that I'm not there, who is going to give you the praise that you're due? And I can see God sitting there with holy anger. And he looked at him and said, I did it. What? <laughs> and all I imagine is God picking up dirt. <laughs> blowing breath into it. That is my new worship leader. And it's going to crush your head. See, what you don't realize is that you are the response to God needing worship. That's why it's not about how I feel. It's about what I was created for. It's not about how things are going. This is why I was created to express my love to God. I am the replacement. So when the enemy gets you distracted and in sin, you can't be who God called you to be. And that's his plan to keep you distracted. That piece of dirt made of water and salt became a living soul. And the enemy thought he won because in the garden, he distracted and deceived Adam and Eve. And I want you to remember, the enemy was in a perfect place and got cast out because of sin. Adam and Eve were in a perfect place and got cast out. I, I want you to see that the enemy only wants to replay in our lives what happened to him. So if he can get you in perversion and pornography and greed and lust and gluttony and all those, it's all good for him because all he wants to do is allow you to fall off from where you were so you don't get to experience the fullness. He's bitter. And you know bitter people want you to experience what they experience. And so because pride allowed him to fall, he wants all of us to fall. But we say no. We say that we will give our glory and our worship to the only king who is worthy of our glory. God, I don't care how I feel. I'm going to express my love to you. God, I ain't got no money, but I'm going to express my love to you. I need you to heal my body, but I'm still going to express my love to you. And so what God did in his infinite wisdom is he made himself dirt and he sent his son and he sacrificed as dirt as us so that dirt could get back into God's presence so when we don't worship 
we are denying everything God did for us to get back to our original intent was just to express our love to God. Why do we worship? It's because what we were created to do. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and live a transformed life.